The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit fef.law. Hello, friends. Thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, we're going to take a deep dive into some of the most promising academy prospects. We'll cover a few pieces of Austin FC news, and then also maybe talk a little bit about the World Cup. My name is Landon Cottom, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. And Landon, I've heard so much good feedback from people I know in the real world of this very wholesome picture that you and I (laughs) and some friends of ours and a dog that wasn't like... Uh, immediately attributable to the dog's owner took it hop squad yesterday so maybe let's talk about that a little bit yeah it was it was like a moon tower and friends happy hour that we put together it was the idea of jessica luther because i didn't really realize this but most of us like in the in our little moon tower community have not met jessica in person and like we've talked to her so much that i kind of forgot that i hadn't even met her in person and so she suggested on like a Twitter thread that, hey, let's all just get together and be like be friends in real life. And I was like, yes, let's make this happen. And so we had a little text text thread going with um, the Swoon Tower folks, Mike and Steph, and then just like regular contributors to our show. And so we all got together, watched a World Cup match and got to just hang out and be friends for a while, which was really nice. Yeah, it, it was. And it was such a good afternoon. And it's like such a group, good group of people. We talk about this a lot that like the best thing about Austin FC is this community around it. And so to get the chance to meet, like I'd never met Jessica Luther. Um, she reminded us on the show that the first thing that people always say when they meet her in person, she's very tall, which is also the first <laughs> thing that I recognize. So if you see the picture, she's like the tall person in the middle of it, which I think both of you, both of you and I are relatively tall and probably not used to, you know, not being in the middle of it. But yeah, it's a good time with a lot of fun people watching a World Cup match that did not turn out the way that I think everybody wanted it between England and Senegal, which I think leads us into the World Cup discussion too. So do, do you have like a favorite team left in the competition? Yeah, I mean, I had a few who I was rooting for, but two of them got knocked out today. Um, today's being Monday. And so I think my team at this point is Morocco. I'm always going for underdogs. And there's not a ton of those left, but Morocco is a team that is an underdog and is actually really good. Like Morocco is a good team. And I think Spain's first game against Costa Rica probably flattered them a little bit. They have not looked that good again in this tournament. So Morocco could surprise them. And I would, I would like to see that happen. I think I'm going to have to agree to, I think we talked about this at the meetup, but you know, no team outside of South America or Europe has ever won the tournament. Um, and Morocco is the only club left that fits that bill, right? Like there's nobody from Asia, Africa, or CONCACAF left after Japan, Korea, USA, Australia, Senegal all went down in this round, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. If um, Morocco is the only hope there. And other than that, there's two South American teams. The rest are European. Right. So, uh, so among, okay, so if we just go to the South American and European teams, do you have a team you like the most or a result that you would like the most to have? Uh, I think of the big teams, um, I would be okay with the Netherlands winning just because the U.S. lost to them. And we could say, yeah, we lost, but it was to the champs. So what are you going to do? Uh, the other team I would like to see win of the big teams is Argentina. I, 
I like didn't, I don't really have a, a ton of affinity for the team. I did spend some time in Argentina, um, but Messi, I actually have like a, a connection with Messi and like me falling in love with this game. And it was that semester abroad that I did in, in Barcelona and Messi was there, this young, young guy breaking into the scene. And that team is like what made me like fall in love with this game. And so I think it would be kind of cool for him to win his last um, last World Cup, partially for that reason, but also more so because I would like for Cristiano Ronaldo to know that Messi <laughs> is better than him. It's like less about Messi winning and more about Cristiano Ronaldo watching Messi win. Man, I love that. And I guess that's the potential, right, is that they would end up the Ronaldo Messi final with Messi winning would be pretty amazing for that narrative. I, so I love that narrative, and I love that narrative because beyond the Ronaldo thing, like it's just it's annoying and frustrating how much of a hard time Messi gets about that, and just like shutting millions of English people who think they know more about the game than everybody else in the world up would also be a benefit of that one. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but I think like my favorite team to watch and like. They're the defending champs. Like France is incredible. They're, and they're so, so good. They're yeah. so good. And they're so much fun to watch play. And like if we're not like and they're very handsome too. Um, but like <laughs> I gotta say, like if it's just like a club that I just like enjoy every time when I turn the the game the game on and like watch them in a performance, like France plays beautiful football. And I would love to see them win for that, even though there's the whole you know, my previous statement about not wanting to see a team from Europe win, like I'm willing to concede that for the French. Yeah, fair enough. All right, let's jump into the Austin FC news, Jeremiah. So there was a, um, what would you call these? Like these little get-to-know-the-player, like bio mini documentary things. Uh, They did one with Rigoni a month or so ago, and a new one came out with Diego Fagundes, which was heartening to a lot of Austin FC fans. (laughs) Yeah, it was. It was... It's a great video. The video we talk about this all the time. The video team does such a good job in telling a story, uh, and they always seem to tell the story at the right time. Like the Rigoni video, I feel like was a Rigoni redemption story. I think we talked about this a little bit too on Sunday. Like, uh, what was the motivation for putting it out? Maybe it was like in a way when Rigoni wasn't, you know, doing that well that they club wanted people to fall in love with him. But the Diego one, like Diego talking about wanting to win and what this club means to him and what Victor means to him would also couple with Diego's uh, appearance at the men and blazers live show, which I didn't go to. I don't think you went to either. Like it's a really you know, a big Diego and Austin story, which left a lot of people to think maybe he's about to sign a contract extension because we keep hearing that there's rumblings that maybe he's not super excited and he just signed with um, an outside agent. And like, what does this mean for the future? And, Maybe the video means that Diego's here to stay. Like, what do you think about that? That was kind of my first reaction was that like, okay. And he also, I think he uh, just signed some ad like sponsorship deal with some like fancy car, A new car company. Yeah. 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 Um, and so I'm like, okay, he's, he's making plans here. He's not going anywhere. But then I remembered he still has at least a year on his contract anyway. So he could do all that stuff and be planning to leave. And it, it doesn't change anything. So I like, I don't know. I think it, 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 if nothing else, it says he's, he likes it here and loves the team, but I don't think it means that he signed a new contract or anything necessarily. 
Yeah, and from the uh, Washington Caruso endorsement deal like 10 days before he left town, we also know that maybe endorsement deals don't mean the world in terms of where a player is going to be. Uh, so we know that he has at least one year left on his deal, and we were just looking at some other some other contracts that like Austin FC and signed and other clubs around the league, and like that doesn't necessarily mean a lot in terms of player leverage. You want to get into that a little bit? Well, option years are becoming more and more common, and the way MLS operates... I. I believe I heard this on allocation disorder. I've never actually seen it written anywhere, but uh, Paul and Sam and allocation disorder know all this stuff. Like they're the people who know this stuff. And I believe they said that MLS does not allow a player only option. And so any first option is going to be on the club side. And so we've talked about how if there is just this one year left, on the contract, then Diego probably does have a bit of leverage, uh, saying like, okay, like let's get this extension done. If not, I'm going to start talking to other people and get paid somewhere else. But if there's a club option on the end of this contract, he doesn't really have a leg to stand on. And so I'll, of course this is MLS. So we don't know what his contract looks like. We won't know until MLS players association releases free agent, uh, a free agency list later in the season. But yeah, I mean, at the very least, Diego's here one more year, maybe longer than that. And if that's, if it is longer than that, then he might not be getting a contract extension anytime soon. <laughs> you feel like that's probably like a steward, the steward deal probably we're getting to the option year. I think if I remember right on like what we'd heard about that too, isn't that extension happened? So I hope the club has the money, but I think we we'll talked about this last week, to like pay the guy. Because I think a happy Diego is probably more productive to Diego than an unhappy Diego. But I don't know that he necessarily has a ton of levers like you talked about when it terms when it yeah, comes to like, terms of extensions. I'm sure it's not a precedent that the club wants to set uh negotiating contracts two years out. Like it's it's bad business. And I get that Diego probably deserves more than he's making, but he and his father negotiated that contract and signed it. And so it's like, it sucks, but like, that's, that's what they agreed to. And so, um, I don't know, like he may be regretting it now, but it's a situation he put himself in. Yeah. It's a situation that carries risk on both sides, right? It's not only a risk on, you know, it's not only the player taking on a risk that they, they make money and they have a bad year, but like the club is also like taking on the risk that maybe, you know, it works to the player's advantage. Um, Yeah. So another guy that we've heard some rumors about is Sebastian Driussi, and we had some recent comments to Argentinian media. Media, like I understood like half the words in it because I'm almost <laughs> one year into Duolingo. Um, and luckily, we have a good friend, Marcelo Tesson, who completely understands Argentinian Spanish. So maybe let's talk about what Driussi said to the media about his plans to return to Reber or go anywhere. I think not only that, but just like, where he feels like he's in his career in general. Yeah, so this was to uh, an outlet called Ole in Argentina, and they asked about him returning to River. And his response was like, obviously I plan to return to River. Obviously I've thought about returning to River. It's something I've, I always have in my mind. I don't think this is the moment because I'm doing well in the U.S. Uh, with my family and in my football, which is the most important thing. I hope to continue there sometime longer, referring to the United States. And so I think there's two parts of this. One part saying like, 
yeah, of course, I'd love to return to River one day. And this is the part that Marcelo gave some context here is like, okay, it seems like he has a long-term goal to return to River, but also the context of speaking to Argentine media in this case is important because Marcelo says, this is a quote from him, when you leave Argentina, you're supposed to have really sentimental attachment to coming back someday. That's in the culture. The most famous tango is about someone who left Buenos Aires and is not coming back, but misses it every day and sings a song about how much he loves it and what he misses, even though he's never returning. And so Marcelo is saying that like, yeah, he's saying I'd love to go back to River, but of course he'd say that. He's talking to the Argentine media and he knows if he doesn't say that, he's going to get roasted by everyone in Argentina. Uh, so it's like, yeah, one day, one day. And he's not going to say like, no, I'm not coming back there right now. It's, it's not a good time. Like he's not going to say it that way. The part that I thought was more interesting is saying like, I'm doing well in the U S and I hope to continue there sometime. I don't know how, like how specific he's being. Like, do I want to continue away from Argentina at the moment? Or I want to like stay in the United States at the moment. In any case, he's not like hinting at moves or anything. He's saying like, yeah, I'm good where I'm at, which I think is uh, a good sign for us. Yeah, yeah, really. That's, yeah, that's the other part I want to talk about. Like he didn't say, I'm happy in the U.S. or England, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Austin, Austin <laughs> and Leeds are both equally amazing places. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've been to Leeds. I'll, I'll pick Austin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you would know. That, 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 was, that was a good piece of news uh, this week from Austin. Uh, another thing that people were interested about is so FC Dallas signed a defender this week, uh, Sebastian uh, Ibiaga from LAFC. Which there, I mean, there are two there are two discussion points on this. So one is like, does this make Dallas better? I remember, I think it was last off season, I got really really excited about what Dallas did, and that turned out to be true. And so like, I think this signing makes me worry a little bit more that they really are going to be competitive. Um, but there were other people that also talked about how they felt like Austin should have made this move because he's the kind of center back that Austin FC should look into. And I have an opinion on this, but do you think Austin FC should have made a run at him? And then what do you think this means for FC Dallas? Uh, I'm still holding out hope on Alexander Collins. And so I'm going to say fair. no, I don't want them to go after this guy yet because I hope they're still chasing Collins if they ever were. Uh, as far as making Dallas better... I think if you take their roster from last year and add Ibiaga to it, I think it does make them a much better team. But the reality is they're probably going to lose Matt Hedges to free agency. He's been very publicly visiting other teams and has not really made a secret about that. Uh, I think it's three or four other teams that have been confirmed that he's gone on visits to. And so if they replace Matt Hedges with Ibiaga, Hedges didn't have a great year, but he has been a really good center back in this league. Ibiaga, I think, started, uh, I don't know, in the teens yeah, he's, for he's, LAFC. He's been like a part-time starter the last two years for LAFC and then, um, like, what he's split between, yeah, split between LAFC and NYC the year before. So very good teams. He was like a, a rotational starter for uh, very good teams, but still a rotational starter. And so I think he, I think he is a good player, but if they replace him replace hedges with him i don't know that it necessarily bumps them up a ton with just that one move so just to remind everybody the free agency window opened on november 16th so you should expect players at uh, clubs to sign players other than their own who are eligible for free agency between here and basically the start of the season i think is that right 
Yeah, I, I think you can sign like until like the trade window closes, which is usually after the season starts. And so I think you could see free agents being picked up until that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's been long enough now that like it's going to take a while for negotiations. Guys want to take time off. Guys want to be able to talk to a few different teams. I bet we start seeing some signings at this point. Yeah, and do you think, does the World Cup matter at all for clubs? Because like Austin FC, I mean, not Austin FC, like the MLS has some players playing in the World Cup. And I assume there's some players who are interesting to MLS clubs playing in the World Cup. Like, do you think just, does it slow the whole global soccer calendar down, regardless of like what moves are going on? Or do you think it matters? I think it probably does a little bit. Um, if nothing else, like people taking time off, maybe front offices not being as uh, full capacity workload as they normally would be. Um, but then also like, I don't know, depending on the player's situation, maybe they want to take some time off and, and take some time away. So, and then also like new cycle, like even if there are signings that have already happened, um, or are in the works, like, uh, Tenorio and stay school are covering the world cup right now. And so they're probably not on their transfer beat as hard as they normally would be. Bogert is in the same, in the same, um, in the same boat there. So like, it might not slow down as much, but we're not going to hear as much about it because the people covering it are doing other things. Which, if you're a club, means if you want to make a splash and like get an announcement, you know, get like those guys to cover something, you probably would go ahead and wait. Like, there's no upside necessarily to announcing a player signing during the World Cup, whether yeah, it happens or not. Yeah, from a PR move. Yeah, even if like the the contract was signed, and I were a club, I would probably wait until like a week or two before I announced it. That, yeah, that totally makes sense. So one of the other things we haven't seen yet, which we hear is coming, is the new Austin FC jersey, which I believe we expect to be out in January. I think it was out in February last year, wasn't it? Yeah, they were pretty late last year. It came out super late. And I guess the question we keep getting is, why doesn't it not come out before Christmas? Like, why doesn't it come out Black Friday when everybody could buy the jersey? Uh, and I guess one idea is, in Austin, is it, we're going to buy it no matter when it comes out. Like it would come out the day before the season starts and we probably yeah. find a way to get it. But like teams generally, there's kind of a window where all the teams release them. So if ours is coming out in January, I'd guess most of the new jerseys are going to come out around that time. But like, I know there's like this whole like two year lead up, blah, blah, blah. We hear that all the time, right? Like surely it wouldn't be that hard to, <laughs> to ship them a month earlier. So you could sell a million more of them. Like, I, like you said, Austin's going to buy him. It doesn't matter. But there's a lot of teams that's not the case for. And like, it's going to like, it's going to slow down at some point for Austin just because, okay, I have three Austin FC jerseys now. Am I going to buy this one unless I just absolutely love it? Maybe not. And like, that'll happen as we have more. But um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't understand why they don't put those out earlier so they can take advantage of like the, the shopping season. Yeah, that, that is one good point. Like it, it, as we go forward, it put, it puts ongoing pressure on like uh, demand, right? Like to be good. Yeah. Like at some point, like I hated that first white jersey. So as soon as they came out with a replacement for it, I was very happy to buy the replacement. Only partially because it had a moon tower on it. Some may never like <laughs> ever wear the replacement for that. But uh, yeah, like they, they need to come out with more interesting designs to, to be able to keep it up. Uh, the other theory I've heard is that you know, Austin FC, like the 
league puts things on sale because they want to be able to clear everything out sort of during Black Friday, like reduce mm. like reduce inventory leading up to the holiday and then know that like the people who are going to buy, who always want the new thing, are going to buy the new thing after, which is, I mean, probably a good retail strategy, one that I don't understand, but I'm willing to buy that idea too. Yeah, I'll, I would buy that. Uh, let's talk about the season schedule. And so MLS has kind of dropped hints as to where it's like, it's going to happen between this time and this time. But if we take the GPS coordinates and triangulate the location, we're thinking next week, right? Yeah, we think we think next week is between this time and this time based upon what they said about the World Cup schedule and kind of where they want to be in the, in the calendar. Um, and, you know, last year... For a variety of reasons, they announced all the home openers, right? They announced like the first match before they announced the full schedule, and I don't know that it's going to happen again because they can announce it a little bit earlier. But that does lead me to ask you, like, do you have a dream home opener? Like, who would you want to see come to Q two for the first match of the year, if nobody else? Um, I don't think I have a strong preference. I know, like, a lot of times they'll try to get, um. Uh, the teams who are maybe going to be playing in like winter regions to get them to come south into better weather. But as far as like preference, I don't really care. I, I would love to play a bad team so we can start the season <laughs> off with five nil again. Yeah, that that was I agree with that. That was a good start. So my team is not going to be that. Um, yeah. So like I was, gonna, I think I think New York City FC would be the most interesting team we could play, and I would love that to be the opening match just because of all the narratives around like Claudio and the connection. And they're a cold weather team. Um, they're not a bad team. You know, you have to look across where the Red Bulls play. You have to look like across the river or where, wherever they might be to find that. But um, yeah, NYCFC would probably be like my favorite first opponent just from like a, like a storyline leading up to a perspective um, or somebody. Yeah, really I'd, I'd be into that for sure. And I was trying to think of this the other day, but there's not many Eastern Conference teams that we haven't played at this point, right? I think it's uh, NYCFC, New England, Chicago, Toronto. Philadelphia. Those are the only... Have we played Philadelphia? Oh, Philly. Yeah, you're right. No, we haven't played Philly yet either. So five. I think those are the only five we haven't played at this point, though. So for your, from your perspective, then Chicago would be the first match, right? Like they're, They always suck. They'd be, they'd be, yeah. That would give you the best opportunity <laughs> to like. To, yeah. To get that a being win said, in the first match. If they keep it the same and we play, I think it was eight Eastern Conference teams last year. Then there's going to be some repeats uh, this time, this go around. So maybe teams we played here will play there this year, or vice versa. So uh, maybe some new, even if it's not new teams, maybe we'll get some new away trip options this time. Yeah, that that would be. That would be a fun thing to do, and it like is, and where was? Assume we won't play Nashville. Where does Nashville fall in this? We're all assuming they're going to go east, um, and St. Louis is going to slot into the west, and so that's not been confirmed yet. But Nashville was almost in the east two seasons ago before COVID hit. They were supposed to move over that year. Um, or they were supposed to move to the West that year. I don't remember. It's all a blur. But Nashville is just going to get shuffled back and forth uh, for the foreseeable future. But we're expecting them to be in the East. So maybe Nashville again? I don't know. I don't know. We've played them tw- two years in a row. It's a fun trip. I would go to Nashville again. 
of the ones we of the ones we've made. I would be happy to do that again. But there are some other cities I'd like to see too. Uh, and I guess one more thing before we get into some. Oh, that's right. We're going to get into an academy discussion, which I'm very excited about. But before we do that, just like a quick promo on an event. Um, Brad Stuver, who's the most amazing person in the world, is having a foosball tournament and fundraiser at Hop Squad for Partnerships for Children on December 8th at 5 p.m. So if you want to meet Brad and play some foosball, which I didn't realize they had foosball tables, so I guess they're going to bring them in. I'm not sure how that works. <laughs> um, be sure to go and show up for that. With a $20 donation to enter, you can do that. And it's also the preview of their Stuver Saves the Holidays Hazy IPA. So like that's just a, like a great way to meet a guy who means so much to the community and also do a little bit for a good cause too. Do we think this mean that means that Brad Stuver is secretly really good at foosball? I would assume so. If I was Brad Stuver and I was like, I'm going to show up for a tournament <laughs> for a table game, I would want it to be one I was good at. Like if he was a darts player, I would say it would be a darts tournament. If he played pool, he would think he would go somewhere that had pool tables. So I think maybe he's like secretly a foosball guy. I think so. I can see it. I can see it. Uh, one last piece of news, um, River Plate and Monterey are playing at Q2 Stadium in January, which is kind of a big deal. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's two big time clubs for sure. And I'm going to be, ex- we're going to be excited to check this out. We had this debate uh, the other day about whether we would do press box or stands. And I think you want to be in the stands among the chaos to see, to see what's going to happen. Right. Yeah, I think so. Like, uh, if we don't have any real reason to be in the press box, and so I've I'd never, be I've in. never worried about that, but it's fine. <laughs> uh, so I kind of like, I don't know. I want to go out and see what the deal is, and also be where there's beers because there's <laughs> none of that in the press box. So that it's going to be on Tuesday, January tenth, Q two. Match kicks off at eight. Uh, believe tickets are on sale to everybody now. General public. Uh, Oak Collective season ticket wait list. Everybody, you can go out and check it out. Um, Demand seems to be significantly higher for this than it has been for the last few friendlies that have come through Q2 as well. Prices on SeatGeek right now are like looking like a, like a 2021 Austin FC. Austin FC match. That's nice. I mean, these clubs are big clubs. Like we, yeah. you said that, but like nobody should underestimate. Like these are two of the biggest clubs in this hemisphere. It's so like you can understand how people wa- definitely want to go um, see them. Do that, and you can see the ancestral home of Sebastian Triussi, which we just talked about. All right, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk about uh, who I consider the top Austin FC prospects. Hang tight, we'll be right back. Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by Sage Wilson Property Group. If you or someone you know are in need of Sage Real Estate advice in Austin, be sure to talk to our friends at Sage Wilson Property Group. You can find Sage Wilson Property Group at sagewilson.com. And as always, Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FVF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FVF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. And my annual dogs of FEF calendar showed up in my mailbox today so i have mine yeah and it's in a plot twist i hope i don't maybe i'll spoil this for you and everybody that gets the FEF calendar but there are 10 dogs and two cats so there's now both the dogs and kittens of FEF law like showed up in the mailbox it's beautiful 
Like my wife went through it and loved it. Uh, great group of people, great cause. Love our friends at FEF Law. These cats better be cute to be replacing dogs. No, no. Uh, they're amazing. Yeah, they're kittens. They're amazing looking. It's worth it. Trust me. You can go to fbf.law to find out what makes FBF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's fbf.law. All right, we are back. We are going to talk through some of the top Austin FC Academy prospects. So I feel like this is the kind of content you only get from Mood Tower Soccer because I don't know that anybody not related to the Academy of Prospects or working with the team has probably watched as many Academy games as you have. Do you have like random dudes who you happen to see who seem like they're covering it too or no? No. Uh, it's I've become friends with some of the parents and <laughs> which makes me feel better about it because I used to just go and stand by myself and watch <laughs> teenage boys play soccer. Uh, now like people know me there. And so that's made it a lot more pleasant to go. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I can say with confidence that, yeah, it, I've seen more of the Academy than anybody who doesn't work for the team or is related to any of the players. All right. I love this start. And I guess just in general, from what we see and read, this Academy is pretty successful for an Academy that is starting up and doesn't have a lot of history. I mean, both in terms of results, because I feel like we see the results and read a lot about how the, at every age group, the team wins more than they lose. But also, they seem to have like a philosophy and a system that is being built up from the academy level all the way through the first team. Like, is that the perspective that you get on it too? Yeah, I think so. And like, it's I I don't know that Austin is necessarily an outlier in that. It seems like a lot of the newer MLS teams who have started academies are kind of in that same boat, maybe not as successful results wise, but they're, they're jumping in and competing with, with the legacy MLS teams the same way Austin are. Um, that being said, it, it seems like Austin, as far as results go, have been like really successful and have been one of the better teams in the, in the regions or in like the tournament, the competitions they've been playing in. And so, um, I, I think it's like, again, not, not a complete outlier, but still encouraging to see that, that this club is taking the Academy really seriously and is putting resources into it. All right. So we're, we're, the way we're going to do this, is we're going to go through, I think each group by age, I'm going to set players up because I have not seen more than like two Academy games ever. Like Micah Burton's awesome. And I don't know anything about anybody else. So like you have deeper <laughs> knowledge than that. Um, and you can kind of go into the details on every player. So again, remembering the way the Academy is structured, we have this strange group of players. I mean, I guess, yeah, like unique group of players are sort of overage. They're Academy players that will be MLS next players next year. Is that right? Next pro players, next pro, potentially. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know Maybe. that any of that's in stone yet, but these guys are potentially going to be playing for the next pro team. And before we jump into actual players, I kind of wanted to go into the way that um, the youth soccer landscape is kind of divided. We talk about the U17 team, the U15 team. Those are kind of the terms that we generally use, and those are the competitions they play in. But whenever I've, I've noticed that when people who uh, work in youth soccer or cover youth soccer, they talk about the players by their birth year. And that's kind of the way, like you say, like, kind of like the class of 
class of 06 or whatever is like your high school class. They talk about these kids as their birth year. And so our oldest academy players are 05s. And so the current U17 players are 06s and 07s. The U15 group are uh, 08s and so on and so forth. But so I kind of want to get into the the habit of referring to these kids that way, mostly for me, so I know what people are talking about whenever they say it. Um, but just just know that like our U17 group is made up of two age groups, which are the 06s and the 07s. So we'll kind of refer to the players in that way as we're going through this. Yeah, and that makes sense because it's basically based upon like the year you were born regardless of where the season stops, starts or ends. So, right, so that you suddenly don't end up another age group just because... Your birthday was right before the season started, or whatever. It was. I think it's common in soccer. We're talking off air. It's common in hockey too, which is probably the other sport that's the biggest for youth development. So let's start with the 05 overage players. So first is uh, Brian Ariano, uh, 05 attacking mid. What else do we know about him? So he got a a U nineteen national team call up. I think last year he spent a lot of last year injured, uh, which is a shame because it was kind of the time when he was like the last time he was going to be able to play full-time with the Academy, the O five group, these are guys who were brought in last year, did not grow up in the Academy. Like they were kind of brought in to fill in the, that upper age group in the U 17 team. Uh, the two, one of the standouts in that group was Brian Ariano. As you said, he's an attacking midfielder. He'd also sometimes play on the wing and kind of as an inverted playmaking winger, um, Brian's really good. He's, um, not a super dissimilar player to Micah Burton actually. And so I could see last year when they were playing on the same team all the time, I could see a less attacking team struggling to play them both. Uh, but Austin didn't really worry about that. <laughs> it's like, okay, we'll put them both in the midfield or put one of them on the wing and one of them in the midfield and just let them go crazy. And, uh, so he's really skillful. Brian is, um, I don't know if this is, from him just being older, uh, but he seems to be a, a more physical player than Micah Burton is. Will like get in and kind of uh, body up to guys and kind of mix it up in the box. Um, but he's scores goals, plays really good passes, dribbles well, uh, and I, I'm hoping that he can get healthy this year and make a run at that next pro team because I'd really like to see him. Um, get back to to the level he was at last year and and maybe make a run at some professional soccer. All right. Our next guy is Anthony Gonzalez. He is a fullback. He was the Austin FC Academy representative in the 2022 MLS Next All-Star Game. So he was the one that made it there. And he was also a, I think, another U19 men's youth national team, but maybe just like went to a camp and not actual games. Yeah, I believe I believe that's the case. Um, and uh, apparently in that MLS Next All-Star game played really well. Uh, and I think the West ended up winning and Anthony played a lot of that game and did really well. But uh, Anthony is really exciting. He's played mostly fullback. And there's some games where they would play him as a winger. I would guess they'll project him as a fullback going forward. Uh, but really dynamic player, fast up and down the wing, uh, can, can do both sides. I think he's probably a more offensive minded fullback, but can get back. We'll, we'll do the dirty work. We'll like has, has a spark to him where he'll like 
play aggressive, play physical. It gets him into a little bit of trouble sometimes. I've seen him get cards and and get talking to uh, talkings to from the referees, but um, it's it's that fire that you'd rather him have than not, and like learn how to handle it than have to try to like teach that into somebody. So uh, I haven't heard much about him. I think I said this on the show last week or two weeks ago that there is a group of players playing semi-pro soccer or have been doing it over the last few months. I, I would imagine Anthony's one of those guys, but I don't know that for a fact. But um, I this is another guy that I would hope that whenever we see some more information about the next pro team that, that Anthony's going to be on that list. Because, again, these overage players, they're allowed to play – Kind of like how Owen Wolf was last year. They're allowed to play against other MLS teams, but any other competition or in like a tournament type thing, they will likely not be eligible to play with the academy. So these guys need to get minutes while they're in this kind of in-between phase. Uh, let's go on to the uh, 06s and 07s. These are both, these are now U17 players who are competing at levels. The first one's Micah Burton attacking me at probably the most well-known name among everybody in the OSFC Academy. I came from Minnesota United to Austin, if I'm right. So he's like uh, one of the benefits of that Minnesota United Academy kind of folding up was that Austin got Micah Burton and some other guys. Um, also was on at least the U.S., the U-17 men's national team, um, did play in some tournament play uh, and has scored a few amazing goals that have showed up on like videos on Twitter. Yeah, Micah is a really exciting player. Uh, he he's an attacking mid, kind of like Brian, like attacking mids, but can play out on the wing and kind of play that inverted playmaking winger. Uh, he, Micah is just exciting. He's electric to watch. He he's also the national team played him as a nine uh, sometimes in the tournaments, and he just looks so out of place there. Like he's just so clearly a ten. Like that's what he his. His body wants to do that. Like he doesn't, he doesn't need to be like in that front line. He needs to be in the mix, like pulling strings, um, creating plays, scoring goals. But he makes people look silly on a regular basis, like just dribbling around guys. And especially whenever he'll do this to like MLS, other MLS academies. But you especially notice it when they're playing. Um, lesser competition that Micah just runs circles around kids without even really having to try. But yeah, he dribbles well, passes well, scores goals, uh, seen him score some really nice set piece goals. And so as far as just like, if you watch this team play, the the player that's going to catch your eye fastest is Micah Burton. All right, let's go on to another player, uh, Drake Fournier, also U17, center back, captain of the U17s, I think he's an Austin guy. If I remember right, he was a Lone Star Academy player before he was an Austin FC player. So he's one of the ones that's like come up through the Austin FC. And I, maybe like the dream of, you know, people when they talk about Austin, Austin FC coming to town is like this guy who like kind of came up through the city in the academy and like maybe at some point will end up on the first team. Yeah, he is one of the few players that was on that original team back two or like three years ago now at this point they put together a U13 team I think it was and Drake was one of the players on that team um and is still playing with the academy which there's there's not a ton of them uh he was the captain last year as well as as one of the younger players in the U17 team which which I thought was impressive of him 
he also used to play a lot of defensive mid and fullback in his earlier days in the academy. He is pretty much just a center back at this point. And I think that skill set, like he's got the skills to to play in other positions. Uh, but as far as playing at a high level in this Austin FC system, I think he's perfectly perfectly suited to play center back because he's got a lot of range. He's he's a really good athlete. He's really smart. It seems to always be in the right spot, but he's also really good on the ball and will carry the ball forward. will play passes. will get in. Um, we'll mix in on set pieces and we'll score goals sometimes. And so just a, an overall really solid player. And one of the more mo- most important players on this, um, on this U 17 team, both talent wise and leadership wise, he really does seem to be kind of the voice of the team that people listen to is correcting guys, kind of taking teaching moments, which I think is probably what you want from, from a captain. Yeah. And he's also committed university wise to St. Louis university, home of Kip Keller and other uh, soccer stars. So what does that mean for the Austin FC Academy or the Mustangs yeah, Pro Club? It, I, I'm very curious about that. So I'm also curious if he maybe talked to Kip Keller about this because I I would be very curious to see like some younger footage of Kip Keller and I would imagine it, it looks not dissimilar to Drake Fournier. Drake is is tall. He's still a little bit lanky, but I think he's one of those guys that like he'll fill out as he gets older right now. Like if you put him on an in an MLS game, he'd get snapped in half by, by a big, uh, big striker. But I think he'll fill out as he gets older. And I, I would imagine Kippy was kind of like that and he's younger as well. Um, but as far as him going to, to St. Louis university, I was a little bit surprised to see that. Like, is this, is this a backup plan for, if he's not going to make the next pro team or have they already told him like, Hey, we don't think you're going to be ready for the next pro team, go to college for a couple of years and then we'll look at you then and maybe sign you to uh, like a generation Adidas homegrown contract, something in the, in that, in that vein. But he, another thing I thought was interesting is he's also the only player we're going to talk about today that doesn't have any national team call-ups. And so this is a thing I'd like to learn more about how, kind of youth prospects work is, is it a, like a size thing? Do they don't think he's big enough? Is it a playing style thing where, okay, he's a, he's a ball playing center back. We want big aggressive defense first center backs on the national team. Like, I don't know the answers to those questions. And I'd be very interested to learn more about that. And like our, our Austin FC center backs ever going to get national team call-ups if this is the style we play. Um, in the end, I don't know that it matters much because you can still become a pro and be successful without getting national team call-ups. And if I think if he's learning a style and learning to play it really well, there's going to be a market for people who are successfully doing that. Yeah, and you can also like get a lot of national team call-ups and not be a very good MLS player too. It's <laughs> a different skill set for sure. Uh, let's get, I guess, one more player at this group. It's Irvin Torres, who's been a little bit in the news because he's a multi-youth national team call-up central midfielder for both the u.s and mexican youth national teams yeah so we've talked about him in that regard he finally got to play some real games with the national team which i don't think he had done yet i think his call-ups were just uh kind of training camp kind of things but he got to play in this tournament in spain i didn't see any other mini results or anything but there was this 
video that came out. I think Irvin posted it on his social medias and then some other places ran it as well. But uh, this amazing goal that he scored against England in this tournament, um, this tournament in Spain with the U.S. national team. Uh, I'm hoping that that means like, okay, I had a good experience with the U.S. I'm going to stick with the U.S. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see if maybe he scores a banger for Mexico next year. Um, in any case, this kid's good. Like I, I like this kid a lot. I think he had gotten his first national team call up before I had really seen him play. And I finally got a chance to watch him and he's, he's not flashy. I, t- when I told you like when you see Micah Burton on the field, you're like, Oh, that kid's good. He's the best one. Right. Irvin is not that guy. He's not going to pop out at you. But if you watch the game long enough, you realize, oh, this kid's always in the right spot and always does the right thing and plays passes that other people aren't seeing. And he's, he's just one of those guys that he sees the game better than anybody else on the field. It seems to like go slower for him. Like he sees it in slow motion and can pick out the right pass or run to the right spot. Uh, and on top of that, I've seen him not only that goal against England, but I've seen him in person score two goals equally as impressive from long distance. And so apparently has a hell of a foot on him too, and just strikes the ball from long distance really well. So, um, talking to people who, who do know a lot more about this Academy group than I do and do see more of them than I do. They're all very excited about Irvin Torres and, um, he is younger, and so it might be a bit longer before we start seeing anything from him, but he he's an exciting player for sure. We go through what half a dozen or so like exciting players for the academy. Like how many of those do you think we'll see for the first team? Yeah, I mean, the truth is like maybe not many of them. Uh this is our first go around with all this, right? And like I know that we I don't know, talking about any signings or like we just get excited about it. And we're like, oh, these kids are amazing. They're all going to they're all going to be great. They're all going to play for the national team. They're all going to play for the first team. When statistically speaking, probably none of them will ever play for a first team national team. Uh, and very few of them will ever play for Austin FC's first team. And that's just the harsh reality of it all. Like that's that's how it works for the most part. And so I again, this is this is where my inexperienced covering youth soccer comes in. I have no idea. Maybe none of them will ever play for the net for the first team. Did you ever really get into college football recruiting? No, I didn't. I did. I did. And I did for like five years. It took like one cycle of like, I'm very excited about this high school kid who's a senior. And he's like the best senior in the state of Texas. And he's going to come to the university of Texas. And he's going to kill it. And like, then that guy like, never played a game at UT, right? Like there's just so many things that happen <laughs> between 17 and being full. I was like, this is so stupid. Like, why do I care about this so much? Like, cause it's, cause these are all potential. Obviously if you have more high potential players in the aggregate, than like less of them, you're going to be better. But like to pick like an individual set of them, it's like these four guys are going to succeed no matter what. Like that's just a fool's errand. It's like, it's, yeah. It's it's good for us to have a lot of good players, but I don't feel like it's like great to obsess over any any individual player. Yeah, in absolutely. Academy. Yeah, it, yeah. I, that's I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, going back to high school football prospects for a moment, I did see Colt McCoy play in a playoff game his senior year at I think he went to Jim Ned High School, which yes, is like a two A yeah. school, and 
I was like, yeah, he threw for a million yards, but it was against like kind of a crappy two A high school team. So like, I don't know. I guess he's good. <laughs> yeah. So this, this is basketball related, but I had a friend who held Shaquille O'Neal to forty two points in high school, and it's like <laughs> he's Shaq, like playing against him. But yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, before we get off this topic, there's a couple name based absences of players who we all believe to be very talented that you did not mention. And one is Gavin Wolf and one is Joe Arena. Do you want to go into more detail on those guys? Yeah. So you would think that by their names, like maybe they would be the most exciting prospects that we have uh, with Gavin Wolf. Mostly I'm not going to say much about him because I've only seen him play once or twice. Uh, the games I saw, he looked good, but this is another one of those things where it's like talking about like you, I think again, off air, you're talking about like in youth hockey, the kids that were born in January and February are the ones who make it pro because they're always bigger than everyone else. <laughs> Gavin is much bigger than everyone on the team. And so I'm like, yeah, he's, he's good. He seems like a good player, but like, is he, is it flattering because he's just like a lot more physically mature than a lot of them? I don't know. I don't know the answer. Like, uh, I I'll hold judgment until I see a bit more of him, but I think he could be good. Uh, Joe arena. I did watch some of him play some of him last year. He is, uh, on the U 17 team. Now Gavin Wolf is on the U 15 team. Joe arena is on the U 17. He's like in the younger group of the U 17s. Uh, last year I, I did watch him play a few times and he did not stand out on that team ever. I think this year he is kind of coming into his own a little bit more and looking like more of a player. Um, that being said, I don't see him playing at Dortmund two years from now. Uh, I think he's his path is probably going to be a little bit different than his brother's was. Uh, that, but, I mean, he's got that, that blood in him on both parents' sides. I'm sure he's going to be a, a pretty good player, but... Um, He's not quite the prospect that some of these other kids are at this point in time. So he's not the best 18-year-old player in the history of American soccer. All right. <laughs> yeah. More or less. No, it's, that's very different. All right, so we have some listener questions. They're all kind of soccer adjacent. So let's just... We didn't even, we didn't even ask for them, but like people like to ask us things. So let's just kind of... Let's, let's blow through these because a lot of them are fun. Uh, and the first one I'm going to ask you is from Natalie Guidry who is a White Lotus fan as much as I am. But have you, have you watched White Lotus on HBO? I watched the first season. I've not seen the second season. Yeah, she was just like, draw comparisons between Austin FC and White Lotus. And I don't, I don't know that I can do that. <laughs> so really, I just, wanted, I just wanted that to be that question. I've, I've watched the second season. It's also very good. It's dark and weird. And people should check it out. And I cannot draw the soccer comparison. So, like, I, <laughs> sorry, I Natalie. <laughs> I know she's she's like I'm a Patreon subscriber, and I forgot my login. Can I ask you a question? I'm like, of course you can. And but she like, won't answer it. <laughs> she's like, but I'm obsessed with White Lotus. What do you think about Austin FC? Like, like, I am too. And I, I I don't know. I don't know how to draw that together. All right, and then we got a bunch from Brian Banks. Um, they're all my favorite kind of question. So let's go through them. All right, you have to give up one food for the rest of your life. Italian food, including pizza, Asian food, including Indian or Mexican food. Which one are you giving up? This one's easy for me. Uh, I'm choosing Asian food to give up. I grew up in nowhere, America. We did not have access to Asian food of any real kind there. Therefore, it was not imprinted on me as, as a, a young man. 
and therefore I do not like have cravings for it very often. I would very much miss pizza and tacos because I eat both of the, I eat tacos almost every day and eat pizza multiple times a week. Probably <laughs> it's probably not good for me, but, uh, I like Asian food, but I do not like need it to survive. I have to agree. And I was like, the includes pizza was a good qualifier there. So like if I had these three choices and it was Italian food, but I could still eat pizza, I'm, I'm ready to give up all the other pasta. Oh, I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. But like tacos and pizza are me too. The most important things in my life. Let's go to the next one. Would you give our kit sponsorship to Tesla if we could have Tyler Adams? Absolutely. I don't care who. I don't oh, care. Oh, you would? Yeah. Oh, you could put you could put anybody on the shirt if uh, if Tyler Adams is playing for Austin FC. Absolutely. Like, argue with I me. Think, I want to hear this. I th- So, I, I mean, I don't know how much I have to say to argue with you here, but <laughs> I think from a goodwill standpoint, Tyler Adams is like such a good dude that maybe whatever bad will you get from putting Tesla on your shirt, it balances out with like just how good of a person Tyler Adams is. I like it. Tyler Adams might be a good enough dude. He would refuse to play for a club with Tesla on the shirt. I don't know. <laughs> maybe so. Uh, what's your favorite Christmas movie of all time? Oh, I don't know. Um, do you have one? Let me think for a second. I do. Elf is my favorite Christmas movie of all time because I feel like it's the best combination of being like, sweet and dumb and memorable and funny of any Christmas movie. Like it's not super schlocky. It's not over the top. It's definitely my favorite Christmas movie. Oh, mine is a a Christmas story. That's also a great, that's also a good movie too. And I have not watched the sequel, which is out on some streaming platform, but apparently there's another one. It's like came out recently, right? Yeah. Yeah. It just came out this Christmas season where Ralphie's all grown up. I'm not going to watch that. Okay. So the one thing is like, Whoever the guy that played that kid was, he's in both those movies. One of the elves in Elf is the oh, original. Yeah. yeah, it's Ralphie from. So, like, that's the unifying theme here. That actor whose name we can't remember right now. Ralphie. Yeah. If you were appointed president of soccer and you could make one rule change, what is your move? Hmm. I think, like a few years ago, I think my my answer would have been to add more substitutions. But now that we have five, I don't think it's necessary anymore. Mine would be to give people like a foot of leeway on offside calls. Maybe not a foot, I, maybe six inches, maybe whatever, but like some but more. Then, but then it doesn't help because then you're measuring, okay, this one was 6.1 inches off or five point. And like there's, I don't there's care. always, you have to draw a line somewhere and we will always argue about that line. That line's not somebody's fingertip. That's all. That's all I know. <laughs> But it is. If you say six inches, then it's okay. The fingertip was six point one inches. Then I would go to a foot, eighteen inches. I don't know. I don't know what it is exactly. But I'll then, I hate you, the way again. I hate the way the line's drawn now. You draw a line. We're gonna argue about the line. <laughs> That's fair. The lines. The current line is stupid. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, free Wendy's for life or three thousand dollars right now. Like it's easy. easy for me. I haven't eaten Wendy's in years. I don't know about three thousand dollars cash. Yeah. I think the monetary value of the Wendy's is probably much higher, but then you have to eat Wendy's. <laughs> I agree. Uh, you and Brad Stuver have a Freaky Friday moment. You're in his body on the first day of the MLS next regular season. Next MLS regular season. How do you explain it to Josh Wolf you cannot play? This reminds, This is like, because I think we've had this question in some scenario before. And it's like you, yourself, and Brad Stuver's body, but you can only control it the way that you control your own body. Which is what makes it complicated and yeah, telling I, Josh Wolf I, you can't play. 
I refuse to play goalkeeper in like rec league, indoor pickup, whatever. I will not play goalkeeper because it is embarrassing and I will hurt myself and give up goals. And so I would definitely not play in this game. And I think the easy excuse is diarrhea. <laughs> That's the same one I was going to use. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> questions that. All right. All right. Said. Yep. All right. I'm out. <laughs> I don't need to see you. Uh, the last question was, how was your high school prom? <laughs> why? Oh, why do you want to know, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> That's very weird. Mine was delightful. My, this, I don't want to get sappy, but my wife and I's first date was her high school prom. Oh, that's so nice. It is. There's this like picture of her with giant hair, like and me with this giant smile because I couldn't believe that she would be willing to go out on a date with me. And, <laughs> and that was our high school prom. How was your high school prom, Landon? Uh, it was fine. It was fine. Uh, yeah, I went with my girlfriend at the time. It was normal prom. We went to prom, ate food, danced awkwardly, hung out a little bit afterwards, went home. That was it. Where was your... Because like for us... Because we're a small town too, right? Like, I think we did TGI Fridays because that was like the fancy place to eat dinner after. Did you have some similar experience too? No, I because it was like it was twenty miles to any restaurant that wasn't in our town. Like we had a Dairy Queen and a local pizza place, and so like we had dinner at prom. There was like a nice like kind of fancy dinner that they would serve, and I think afterwards people just like I don't know house parties or. <laughs> whatever else so it Drove was like the end of gravel road and set stuff on fire probably yeah i don't think we did that that night but we did it the next night almost certainly <laughs> for sure uh but where where was your high school prom ours was in the the elementary school cafeteria that also had a stage in it and doubled as like the whole town's auditorium so my high school prom was also in the uh basketball gym slash cafeteria slash stage for the one act play. But the, our first date was at her high school prom, which was at the civic center and like her town, had like 15,000 people. So it had, it had like major amenities, like a civic center. <laughs> uh, okay. We have one more listener question. This one's from Sean Collins and he just says best soccer movie. So do you watch a lot of soccer movies? No. And I was trying to think of why and, I think Total Soccer Show has done kind of a special on this before. And I don't watch a ton of movies in general. And I, whenever I do watch a movie, I'll, I'm one to like read reviews. And if it's not, if it doesn't have great reviews, if it doesn't seem to just be like a really great movie, I'm probably not going to watch it. And I think that's why I haven't seen many soccer movies because it doesn't seem that there are very many good ones. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't watch a lot of sports movies. and I watch a fair amount of movies. But I do not watch sports movies because I find like the natural drama of sports to be more, maybe more, more interesting than like movies about it. So I have literally seen two soccer movies in my life, and one is Kicking and Screaming, the Will Ferrell stupid five point six out of ten uh, IMDb movie, <laughs> and the other one is Bennett like Beckham, which I watched when I was in like a sort of an art house period in my life. So definitely Bennett like Beckham is the best soccer movie I've ever watched. <laughs> Um, I was looking through some lists and one that gets listed a lot is, uh, escape to victory. And I think maybe in either the English or American, it's just called victory, but it's starring Sly Stallone, Pele and Michael Caine. And they are locked in a Nazi prison camp and they 
beat the guards in soccer to earn their freedom. And so this is considered one of the better soccer movies, just to kind of set a bar for you. <laughs> With that plot summary, yeah. Um, I think, on the other hand, there are some really great soccer documentaries. There's that Maradona one that came out a few years ago that was really good. And then there's some, like, soccer-adjacent ones that uh, I've... One that I have seen that I really enjoyed is called The Damned United, and it follows... Um, uh, a famous English manager named Brian Clough. And it was kind of like his like entry into the public sphere, sphere and like his first real job taking over Leeds United in the 70s. And that's that's a really good movie. I think it's like um, based on real people and real stories and they take enough liberty with it just to make it a bit more interesting. But that's that's a good movie. There's one that I've wanted to see and never have called um what is this movie called looking for eric and it's this guy who's like down on his luck he his wife left him and he's gonna try to like put his life together and uh and win his win his wife back and he goes to like this like kind of self-help group therapy thing and they're like trying to channel um channel like the energy or like the aura of someone that they would like to be like. And his is Eric Cantona. And so this movie actually stars Eric Cantona as this guy's like imaginary friend. (laughs) So uh, I don't, it doesn't look like an amazing movie, but just to have like Eric Cantona say like weird philosophical stuff for 90 minutes, I'll watch that. Um, And then another one that I would like to see, that I didn't realize was like had soccer involved. I think it's loosely about soccer, but there's a, a um, Scottish director named Bill Forsyth who I've seen one of his movies. It's called local hero. And uh, we went to Austin film society and uh, link Richard Linklater was there doing like, um, like picking movies to show throughout the summer. And then he would do like a Q and a, afterwards and like talk about the movie and just like talk about filmmaking and why he loves this movie. And so Forsyth has another movie called Gregory's girl, which is apparently like soccer adjacent from 1980. So, uh, I think those are kind of on my, my list of ones that I think I want to watch now. And then one more that's on that list is, uh, Zidane, a 21st century portrait, I think it's called, but it's, a game, maybe his last professional game. In any case, it's a game of him playing for, uh, I think for Real Madrid. And they just have a camera fixed on Zidane the whole 90 minutes. And that's the movie. It's just watching Zidane just like walk around the field and play. And like, I don't know, that seems cool to me. I've never seen it. So those are some ones I like to see. Listeners, if y'all have ones that y'all really like, documentaries, movies, like, even just soccer adjacent ones, let us know. I'd like, I'd like to have some, a list of ones that are like properly good to watch because I've always just kind of been like, ah, oh, there aren't soccer, good soccer movies. So I'm not going to bother. Yeah. I would throw in two, like the documentary thing, open it up for something. I would throw in two of those. They're both the ESPN 30 for thirties. And one is the two Escobars, which is yeah. about Pablo Escobar. I don't remember the unfortunate Colombian, the first name of the player, but um, that was a really good one. And then Hillsborough, which I think is a two part 30 for 30 about the Hillsborough disaster. Um, but it's super emotional, whether you're a Liverpool fan or not. Like, it's a really good story because there's a lot of involvement of the families who were sort of 
you know, lost people they loved that day and like the things that led to that. So those, those are probably, those are actually above Bennett like Beckham on my list. And then <laughs> if you want to go super adjacent, Gone in 60 Seconds featuring Vinny Jones, the car thief movie, <laughs> but also with a guy that played 446 games in the Premier League in his career, I think probably counts. I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> I don't think he says a word in that movie, so maybe it doesn't count at all. All right. I think we've gone on long enough about uh, things having nothing to do with Austin, F- Austin FC, um, but this is what the offseason is for, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's wrap it up. All right. Before we finish, we'd like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe. Um, we, we, maybe we'll do another like little push for for reviews sometime in the future, but for now, just do it out of the kindness of your heart and help us spread the word. But the holidays are coming, and we're we're easily, you know, swayed by donations to good causes. So we'll probably do another one of those rounds and like make somebody happy. That's right. Uh, come find us on Twitter at lvhero87 and jbentley underscore atx. Been considering changing my Twitter handle to just my name. If anybody has any strong thoughts about that, let me know because I don't know if what the right answer is. Uh, we're also at Moon Tower Soccer on Twitter and Instagram. And then find us on the Patreon. Uh, we are s- pretty quickly running out of uh, rewards for the 2022 kits. We do have a few left. Um, so go ahead and sign up if you're thinking about it. And then in 2023, we're going to have another batch of rewards. And so um, if you want to get double rewards, sign up now and we'll send you the last of what we have left. And then you'll get the new ones early in the year as well that was a, i think it's an important point to make so if you're an existing patreon subscriber keep doing it and we're probably and we will go ahead and send you like whatever we come up with the 2023 also so yeah a lot of like subscription things or like podcast networks will do it for new and upgrading subscribers uh we don't want to do that to people um so we're gonna send rewards to everybody like just continuing subscribers, new subscribers, everybody's going to get these rewards in February, March, whenever we uh, get those all made and sent out. So, uh, yeah, if you sign up now, you might have a chance at getting in on double gifts, essentially. <laughs> uh, and then we encourage you to visit the Striker website where you can get a 30% discount with capital M, Moon Tower 22. Jeremiah, what should folks look out for? I would just say keep checking out the daily covers of the world cup so today uh there's a daily watch guide on the matches uh morocco spain and portugal switzerland you can see ongoing previews and coverages there and because we've because the striker covers not only austin but other clubs john arnold has a great article about sebastian ibiaka as their at the first winner move from uh, fc dallas so you can keep up with clubs from across the league by subscribing to the striker All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. Uh, We appreciate everyone checking out the show and spreading the word. We'll be back next week with some more Austin FC news. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. When no one is around. Think for nothing, you never... La gente... Oh, my God.